morning. Um, oh, thank you. That's so kind. Some of you are, are new and you're thinking, what are we clapping in for? Um, I'm with you on that. And, uh, uh, but it's uh, this church, you have a special place in our hearts. And uh, we talk about you a lot, funnily enough. We know all about you. It's very depressing. <laughs> um, but I'm excited oh, uh, hearing about new people coming into the church and church growing, although I was a little bit worried at quarter past nine. What time did we start? Quarter past nine, was it? We start at nine. I was, I was worried at nine. It was six of us. Because um, I just got on Facebook and said, oh, the attendances are up. And uh, then I looked around at nine. I thought, oh, they know I'm preaching. And, <laughs> um, but I just, I, I was so thrilled to, to see what God is doing uh, through Pastor Simon, Jane, Emily, coming here into the church is just wonderful. And I honor them and excited for all that's ahead of you. What I've just prayed um, is, I, I prayed that prayer because that's what I'm going to share with you. Um, I want to speak to you about how to move into the next chapter of your life. Uh, I, I, I bring this message uh, especially for you because I do believe that I do believe there's something, uh, I, I, I've got some thoughts, but I'm not, don't want to r- restrict what the Holy Spirit is going to do by getting it wrong. But I, I, I do think that as a church, you are going to move into significant things. And it's not that God is going to come and do significant things in you. We've lived all our life like that. God, just fill me again. And there's nothing wrong with that at all, and we'll continue to be like that. But I do think we are are going to be presented with, and you're going to be presented with, opportunities every... I think it's just a case of opening your eyes to see it's happening already, to see people around you, to see circumstance, situations, and realize, God, what are you doing in that person? God, what, God, what are you doing? Can, can I join you? Uh, can, can you use me into what you're doing already? And, 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 and being available for God to take you individually and you as a church to move into what God is already doing in Birmingham and, and, and beyond and in your homes and neighbors, streets, workplaces, and, and be available in that way. But I'm going to help you with that. And I, I, I've been for some time, for many months, just really intrigued with um, the, the move um, and the adjustment that's needed with two friends, relatives, um, John the Baptist and Jesus, and understanding what God was doing in that time and how 
adjustment had to be made and applying it to our life today. That's where I'm going. And when God is moving and you recognize he's moving and the invitation is for you and I to join him, you can either say, oh, no, that looks a bit scary, or you can trust him. You can trust him. And when God is, when God is moving, you can be um, afraid uh, or you can choose to be confident that the moves of God in your life up until that moment are sufficient to have changed you, empowered you, and equipped you to keep moving. That actually you are not... Um, who perhaps you may think you are on a Monday morning and you're thinking, oh, here we go. But actually you're far more than that because you are what he says you are and you've built a confidence in your life to say, you know what, I can. I think I can. I think I can. You can push back if you choose fear or you can say, no, there's sufficient work of grace in my life. There's sufficient change. There's sufficient moves of God in my life to know that I can actually move into this. You can refuse to move, but God is going to keep on moving. And, and, and I've seen churches that, and I'll, I'll share a few stories today, maybe. Um, let's see. I never know what's going to come out. And uh, that's why you like me, because you're looking forward to something weird coming out of my mouth. Um, but I, I, I know... I know of, I'll, 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 I'm sure I'll share a story of one church that just refused to move, but God continued to move, and they're no more now. They're no more. Although they had a lovely time of fellowship, actually that fellowship's not existing. So, why? Because it, it, they, they wanted him to move to them all the time. And, and I'm saying to you, God will move to you, and God does, he's done enough, actually. The cross is enough. But out of his grace, he keeps moving to you, and he keeps lifting you up, and he keeps touching, healing, transforming. He does stuff. He makes you like Jesus more and more and more, etc. And it's all grace, and I don't know why he bothers with me. Neither do you. <laughs> um, but, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about God inviting you to move with him into something that he's got planned for your life, my life, this area, this church. So, um, I've been looking forward to sharing this message with you. So when Pastor Simon said, will you preach for me on, on that Sunday, nothing was going to stand in the way. And um, so here I am, Matthew chapter 3. Did that make sense, what I've said so far? Okay, so we're, we're ready, okay. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea. Before we begin, you are not going to move into the things of God 
if the very, who, if, who you are, the very essence of your life, if you don't know who you are, You see, we call him John the Baptist. He never called himself that. That's crucially important. What you think about you Is how you behave. It's what holds you. It's not even your job title. It's not what other people say. It's who you say. He was John, son of Zechariah. That's who he was at birth, but he never called himself that either. Neither did he call himself a prophet, and he certainly didn't call himself the Messiah. What did he call himself? The voice. I'm a voice. Remember? I'm a voice. Now, why is that important? Because if he says, I'm John the Baptist... What would, hap- what would happen to him and his confidence and um, his identity on the day that he stopped baptizing? Do you remember the day where he stopped baptizing? <laughs> and he, we'll read it, found himself in prison. Why? Not because he was baptizing, but because of his voice that spoke against an immoral marriage. When, you see, when we go through life and things change and your circumstances change, that's when you know what you think about you is really, really important. Because it's that's what's going to hold me. Talk to pastors all the time and when they're past, when, when, when their identity is I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor. Moment stop, the moment they stop being a pastor, it's the moment they crash. I've always called myself Paul. Because it's my name. You know, uh, when, you, when you travel around, sometimes you get this amazing, you know, set of things said to you before you come up to preach. It's horrifying. It's like... Jesus is coming up, you know. It's like, you are going to get disappointed the first moment I open my mouth, you know. Father, Archbishop, Pope, Paul is here, you know. It's like, especially in Africa. I've just come back from Kenya. Love it. I love my friends there, but oh, my words. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the great man of God. I'm looking at him going, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, it's Paul here. So, 
what's going to sustain you is what you think about you. If you think yourself too low, it, you're going to go under. If you think yourself too high, you've got to get this right. Who am I? Okay. Because you are new creation in Christ, you are a man, woman of God, you are saved. You know the oldest lie, the oldest lie in the whole of history is the lie told to Adam. It was a, a lie to say, if you, if you do this, you'll become like God. And it was um, to get him to doubt who he was. Should have said, stupid snake, I'm already like God. There's a lie. But he started to doubt who he was. That's our starting point. And here's what I want to say. Um, so, in our moving into our, these next chapter that God has for us in our life, it's going to change. And things will change for you. And you need to be ready to change. Some things, some important things will remain the same. But you need to be able to embrace the change that's around that. You need to understand that landscapes can change. But the, the pillars and the structures can remain the same. So this... This move, this handover, um, is almost downplayed. I mean, if I was Matthew writing the gospel, I'd have done a far better job. Um, but he's, he's not pomp and ceremony. He's talked about the genealogy of Christ. He's, talked, he's done the birth story. He brings in John the forerunner, the baptism, the anointing, the testing. He's got all that in his gospel. He's moving forward. And then we just have a few words in chapter 4 and verse 17. And this is all he writes. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. So that's, that's the big handover. There's no graduation, there's no big ceremony, there's no important conversation. That's all it is. Um, from that time on, Jesus moves into public office. From that time on. There are significant moments in the world, uh, 24th of February, invasion of Ukraine. From that time on, world changed. There are significant moments in your life and my life from that time on when that relationship broke, when you changed your job, when the, you got the victory, it was a real success. You, from that time on when it just something amazing happened, from that time on when something disastrous happened, from, from that, that moment, what happens on that moment when Jesus begins to preach, he begins to use this word that John used, same word, 
and he says, repent. And it simply means this. Shift this. Shift this. Move your mind. Move your thoughts. As Jesus is trying to bring us into a new season, as we're moving with the message is, it will never change. These, these are things that change. The landscape can change, but this is the crucial thing that will never change in your life and my life, and that is to repent. It is to move. You have to repent from what was before. Often we always only think about repenting of our sins. And hopefully as you get older, the, your, your, sin bu- your, your, your bucket of sins gets a little bit less. I mean, hopefully you got rid of the big ones. We won't ask. But it's not that. It's, it's, it, it's not just that. Repent is... Is, is a moving of your mind. And if you are going to move into this next season and move with God, you have got to stop thinking the way you were thinking in the previous. And you've got to change that and start to think in a different way because you are going to have to have a whole bunch of different thoughts for what's ahead of you. You have got to walk it out in your brain before you walk it out in your behavior. You've got to live it out in your thought life before it takes place in the reality of what's around you. So think different. Do you know, have you ever had a coffee with somebody and then you realize that actually they are talking and thinking the same way that they've done for 30 years? How boring is their life? Yeah? And you're wishing, oh my Lord, why am I having coffee? And oh my Lord, why did I pay for this? You know, you're not going to get that time again, you know. And you just think, they are just wasting, wasting their life. Why? Because they're trapped in the way that they were thinking 30 years ago. Oh my goodness, do you think they're going to get another life and another chance to do this? They are not. They're going to get to heaven and go, oh, blew it down there on earth. I'm glad I'm up here, but that was a right waste. And we go, yeah, it was. And you were a real pain to live with. Because you didn't shift your thinking. Repent. Don't become trapped. Your thoughts either free you or they move you. We need to change our thinking. And I'm come to realize more and more that the best way is to think less of you. And that is a challenge. Because as you get older, you know, you just get a little bit more, you lose your filter sometimes. And you just like your mouth... You know, and it's just like you just get a bit bolshier, you know, and you know, and and you just become a bit obnoxious as you get older. So that when you get really old, it's like people around you, it's like, God, you were easier when you were twelve. Now you're eighty 
and actually, yeah, it's like you become like a young person who needs to be trained again. And, um, but not, not necessarily so if you learn the art of decreasing and becoming less. So John, well, let's look at Matthew, go forward in chapter 11. Um, let's, let me read a few verses. Jesus has finished instructing his 12 disciples and he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. And when John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? And Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. And the blind receive sight and the lame walk and those who have leprosy are cured and the deaf hear and the dead are raised and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. When I mention the words, we must decrease, you, you are going in your mind, if you know John, you're going in mind of, of what he said about that, about you know, Jesus must increase, I must decrease. But I, I'm using this because I want to show you that it's not just platitudes, it's not just words out of your mouth, it's actually you've got to do some stuff. And, and sometimes it's, there's a battle in all of this. So, you see, in the Jordan River, John the Baptist... In the Jordan River, he's not doubting. Um, but in the prison cell, where there's no baptisms taking place, and in fact there's no future, and you're just you're doubting, and you're asking yourself, I really thought, I really believed he was the Messiah, but I'm in the prison cell. It looks good for him over there. I'm hearing great reports, but for me, it's not looking good. Did I get it right? The most amazing, most, the greatest men and women of God have, have periods of doubt. Just wondering, is this, have I got, have I got things right? And Jesus' response is, it's amazingly compassionate and very kind, and let me show you. So, so he gives them first-hand experiences of miracles and his teaching. John has sent his disciples. Can you go and find out for me? I just need to know. I'm not sure. So Jesus gives his, these disciples, John's disciples, look, let me show you the miracles. Let me give you the teaching. And it says that they saw and they heard. And you and I, we all need to hear miracles. We need to hear continue. We need to surround ourselves with good news stories. We need to know that God is on the throne, actively involved. I made a, I made a commitment at the beginning of the year. Last year, um, I got to the end of last year and I thought, do you know what? I'm just fed up of bad stories. So I made a commitment to, to surround myself with good news stories. And I, so I got a book. You always get a book at the beginning of the year, don't you? You got a new, new pen, new book. And I, I just began to, 
every week just writing good news stories, good news stories. And, and I've come to realize that where I used to believe that God was moving all over the world but not in the UK, it's not true. God is at work in Britain. And I'm seeing miracles and stories and things that are taken. I'm seeing the wonderful things in churches. I'm, see, I'm seeing from the small things to the large things that are taking place. I'm seeing churches like um, rugby, who uh, for, for, for decades and decades were, were in a, a, a church building, a big church building. It seated about 200 people. But I'm seeing them um, at, on Easter they moved out. Their pastor died two years ago. New pastor was appointed. And uh, at Easter, they moved out of their building and they moved into an academy school. And it's seating on Easter Sunday, they had 500 people um, on Easter Sunday. They're seeing transformations of people's lives. They, I tell you what's happened to them is that they're seeing people come to know Christ who have got a big address book when you look at your address, if you've been a Christian for a long time, your address book gets small because you start, if not careful, you start to lose your contacts with, with the non-Christian world. But they're seeing men and women coming to Jesus, to know Jesus, and they've got these long address books. And so like one particular guy who's just got saved, remarkably saved, he, <laughs> in the church service, he's got his present wife, He's had two wives. He's got his present wife and the children that he's had with, with her. And he's got his previous wife because he, he led her to the Lord as well. And, and the children that he had with her is a little weird. Um, <laughs> it happens in Africa. It's, why not happen in Britain, you know? <laughs> um, uh, but it's amazing the transformation of God, what's, what's taking place. I, I, I look at some churches, I look at... I look at the church, there's a church in, in Ripley, in North Derbyshire, and um, during the pandemic, uh, we'd appointed a, an evangelist pastor to that church, very small church, and uh, we appointed him in September, and then said, look, we'll just get going, because of the lockdown, and we'll, uh, we'll do your induction um, as soon as we can. And uh, within, a, within a week, he phoned me up and said... Um, Paul, we can't have an induction. I said, why not? He says, uh, <clears throat> well, he, see, we gave him 12 people. It was a very small, 12 people. And uh, he says, uh, I haven't got anybody. I said, what do you mean? You, got, we, we, you had 12. He says, yeah, they've all left. I said, well, I've heard of pruning. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, well, well, what's happened? He said, well, I, on my first Sunday, I said, um, we're going to do some evangelism. We're going, to have a, we're going to have a Christmas event and we're going to do evangelism. And they said, no, you're not. And he, he said, I didn't know what to say. So what did I say? I said, yes, we will. And, and so after this pantomime of no, you're not, yes, we will. Um, they said, well, if you do, we're leaving. He said, well, now that you said that, I'm definitely going to do it. And um, so they, on, on one, one Sunday, all... All 12 of them got up and walked out. And he said it was me and my wife left. And um, so, uh, but today, they'll be meeting for worship today. So that was in October um, uh, 2021. 
September 2021. And uh, today, because he stepped into the move of God, and because, he, because God is a God who's moving and God is on mission and God is transforming people's lives, today they're going to be meeting today and there's 30 people in the building. And uh, they've got had baptisms and salvations, and it's 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 amazing. Um, I, I could go on, but 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 Jesus um, gives these miracle stories to to the disciples. But here's the big thing he does. Here's the big thing he does, and and here's here's the thing about decreasing. Here's the thing about learning that actually we are part of his story. He is not part of our story only, but we are part of his story, an eternal story, okay? So, so Jesus quotes the prophet Isaiah 29, 35, and chapter 61, and he says, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, the leprosy cleansed, deaf hear, dead raised, good news is uh, uh, proclaimed to the poor. He lists them all. Tell John that. But just like Always, it's not what Jesus says, but what Jesus doesn't say when he's speaking about scriptures, especially, that actually is the message. And what Jesus doesn't quote, and, jo- and everybody would realize this, perhaps not us who are not familiar with the Old Testament scriptures as the Jews are, but they knew John would definitely know what Jesus is trying to communicate to him. You see, because in the whole quotation of those three chapters where he linked them all together, the whole list, the whole items of what he is doing, he leaves out. He doesn't say to proclaim freedom for the captives and to release from darkness for the prisoners. He doesn't say it. And why doesn't he say it? Hmm. It's a startling omission. But the message is this. Will you still believe even if I don't do what you want me to do? Will you still believe? Will you still follow? Will you still move in the move of God if I don't do it exactly how you want me to do it in your life? I'm not that genie in the lamp. Don't you shine that lamp and expect me to do everything that you want me to do because you're part of my story. You're part of what I'm doing in this world. Are you all right about that? If I don't answer every prayer request that you put before me, are you going to go and have a grump in a corner and say, I don't want to be part of church anymore because he's not answering my prayers? Is that how you're going to be? Is it okay if I don't do everything that you want? Are you happy to decrease enough, to surrender enough to what I'm doing in this world? Are you going to follow me or do you want me following you all of life? And then he says, John, you're going to be blessed. You don't know what's coming next for you. Everybody knew that John wouldn't get out of prison. John wouldn't know that. Jesus knew that. Blessed. If you don't give up, you are going to have such a happy time. (laughs) Because, what's he talking about? 
He knows he's talking about heaven. He knows he's talking about what's the next thing for John. Blessed. So, we have got to adapt. There are key things that remain the same. Landscapes change. Stuff happens and we need to adapt and be flexible and be willing to change. Secondly, um, are you okay? I mean, it's like, you know, I, I know your services are long, so I'm okay. <laughs> We're all right. I'm watching the clock. You're trained well. Um, I, I'll, do, I'll do this second one, and then if I, if, I'm, if I get five more sleepers, we'll finish it. I'll do the third point. <laughs> I'll do the third point in the next service, all right? You, you watch it later, all right? It's all right. I'm just happy. I'm happy to be here, you see. Could, you know? I mean, I'm planning to be here all afternoon. I'm... No. Um, so, be ready to change. Um, yeah, I was praying earlier about you being confident in who God says you are. And I, I love this bit. Because this staying in chapter 11. And uh, I, I love how... Do you know when people... It's one thing to talk about somebody behind the back. Um, <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing. Um, it's one thing saying it to their face. But it's really powerful um, when someone says something really nice about you um, and you're not there. And you hear about it from somebody else. It just feels very truthful. very, And so... Walk with me. John's disciples are leaving, and Jesus says, yeah? John's disciples were leaving, verse 7. Jesus began to speak to the crowd. So they're just walking away. They're just, about, they're just leaving. Jesus then speaks to the crowd. He's speaking to the crowd, so he's got his voice loud. And they're just leaving, and they're just hearing this. So what, what Jesus is doing now, he's, he's addressing the crowd, but he, he's got another message to take to John. He speaks about John, and he knows that the disciples are going to hear this, and they're going to pass this on to John in prison. That's it. That's exactly what's happening. So as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak, because he didn't say John's disciples had left. John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind. What I'm trying to say to you is this, is that this church, you, friends, this church, that if you knew what is possible. All you've got to do is you've got to step into the confidence of what God says about you and what God says is possible and what God says can happen. That's all you've got to have, the confidence in him. Um, so what did you go out to see? A, a reed swayed by the wind? Now, everyone knows where John is. Everyone knows why John is there. He's imprisoned, imprisoned by Herod. Previously in the wilderness, calling for a move of, of, of people towards God. And Jesus says, when he was in the wilderness, was he following a fad? Was he following just like, you know, just, uh, was he just a showman? Was there, was there no depth to him? That's what he's posing the question, a, you know, a reed swayed by the wind, you know. 
Let me tell you this, that the emblem of Herod was printed on his coins. It's like we've got the queen's head. Herod's emblem on the coins. And Herod's emblem, interestingly, is the reed. Who was the reed blowing in the wind? That's the question that Jesus shouts out to the crowd as John's disciples are going back to John. Who is the reed blowing in the wind when you went out to the wilderness? And what Jesus is saying, it wasn't John. John is where he is because of his confidence, because of his resolve, because of his courage, because of his voice, because he's holding on. Mm. He's not afraid to speak up. It's not tossed around like the wind. Herod, however, different ballgame. Today, my friends, your circumstance may not be perfect. There may be doubts and there may be emotions. What God says about you is greater than all of that, the Bible. You are strong. You are a man, woman of faith. And no matter what is going on in there, you need to understand that what Jesus says about you is crucially important, that he believes that the spirit in your life is enough. He believes that his presence in your life is enough, that you as a follower of him, it's enough that no matter where you are, no matter how trapped or contained you feel, that you are not just there because you have been, have been tossed around and you just don't know where you're going, but there is a resolve in your life. There's, a, there's a, a confidence there. What did you go out to see in verse 8? Um, a man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. In contrast to Herod, with all of his finery and his great palaces and the John doesn't look like that. John looks like wilderness man. He looks, you know, eating honey and camel hair and all that kind of stuff. You, you don't go out into the wilderness to see royalty and royal uh, image. You're not going to find it there in the desert. And what is Jesus saying? What I find about John, I believe Jesus is thinking is this. He was able to embrace the environment that he was in. He had an ability in that wilderness to take on the purpose for being there. I find anywhere in the world there is this amazing ability that human beings have to adapt. And so you can go into... Um, the Sahara, 50 degrees, 55 degrees heat, being there, horrible. But people live there, happy, laughing, joking, just like they're on a Birmingham street, thinking, how's that possible? They adapt. Himalayans, Nepal, and born in China, it's all freezing cold, and they're all in their high villages, and you're just freezing everything off, and, and fill in the blank. And, 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 uh, and you think, how, how do you live there? How do you, glad this is not online. <laughs> Forgive me. 
How do you live there? Because they are managed to adapt and they managed to find a way. And what Jesus is saying is this. Don't look at this man in prison and thinking that either he's not courageous, he's not confident, or he can't do it. This is a man who's been able to adapt in the wilderness. He's adapting here in the prison. Don't, don't you look down on this man at all. And the kindness upon this man, telling John to be confident in who God says you are. Now, John might not feel like that, but that's what Jesus said he is. And you and I may not feel like this, but that's what Jesus says we are. And we've got to step into what he says about us, not perhaps what we think on a certain given day. I'm going to give you a third point because you're going to love it. We need to um, also understand continuity. We need to understand that if we don't move, he's going to keep on moving. If we don't... If we don't move with him, we'll just stay where we are and we will die, but he will keep on moving. 6th of June last year, 2021, on our news, 160 people were killed in a village uh, in Burkina Faso. That wasn't the whole news. That week, a five-day conference in Ouagadougou, the capital, had 400, on the same day, 160 killed in the village in north, but in the capital, 400 church planters um, we're meeting with a strategy to plant a church in every village in Burkina Faso. Um, that's their plan and that's where they're going and that's what's happening. And what, why am I telling you this? I'm telling, I'm telling this message this. God keeps moving no matter what is happening. Um, in chapter 14, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a lovely comical moment. At that time, chapter 14, at that time Herod... Herod, the Tetrarch, heard the reports about Jesus and he said to his, his attendants, um, so he's, he's heard about Jesus and he says, this is John the Baptist, he's risen from the dead. I mean, I, I, mean, I find that quite funny because he, he had his head chopped off and he saw his head chopped off. Uh, it, was, it was given on a, on a silver platter and now he's believing what we believe in the resurrection from the dead and so he's attributing to, to Jesus, to John the Baptist, Jesus. Um, um, he was wrong, but he was partly true. Because he'd, he'd stumbled into the truth in the kingdom, the truth of continuity. Herod was removed. Well, Herod removed John, but Jesus came. Jesus died, rose, ascended, but the church was born. The church loses ground throughout history, rises and falls, but the spirit comes again and rebirths, and we keep on going. I've lost two pastors to heaven in, in their ministry, years to live for. And yet I find that new pastors come and the church continues. It's the, it's the truth of continuity. It's a kingdom principle that the enemy, not persecution, not pandemic, not war, nothing will stop God moving. You remove a worker, more will come. Nothing can stop 
God. The key is this in verse 12. This is the key. When John's disciples came and took John's body and buried it, they went and told Jesus. And that verse is packed with emotion. And that's the key. When John had been killed, his friends went to tell Jesus. When it goes wrong, talk to Jesus. When your dreams end, talk to Jesus. When the chapter closes, talk to Jesus. When you bury your friend, talk to Jesus. If you can still talk to Jesus, then you know it's not over. Now, in the first century, when they were hearing this gospel and they were reading this gospel, what impact did that point? What impact did that verse have on them? Let me tell you what it would have on them. In that first century, those Christians being blamed for the fire in Rome by Nero. Those first Christians who were going through cruel deaths, trauma, persecution. I mean, it's horrific. If John's disciples, this verse, if John's disciples talked to Jesus as one season came to an end and another started, what we are going through and what we have lost, then so can we. So can we. I can talk to Jesus, it's not over. Let me take you to another gruesome beheading and then I close. February the 15th, 2015. Um, images shocked our world um, on, uh, because it was as particular our world because it was, it was the closest thing to us that we've ever seen. And on a, a rocky beach on, on, uh, on the Mediterranean Sea in western Libya, we saw um, 21 Coptic Christian priests in training, in orange suits, kneeling on that beach, about to be beheaded by ISIS. And we saw that. That was in 2015. And over the next few years after that, researchers studied the, the videos that we never even saw. How did the families gain comfort from seeing their sons and, and loved ones go that way? How? Here's how. Because they delved into those videos and it revealed an amazing thing. That just before dying, as they were pushed to the ground, they would look at each other with encouragement. But every single one of those 21 Coptic priests said the words, Ya Rabbi Yasa. It says this, Oh my Lord Jesus. Every single one of them. And given the proof to the families that the very last words before their beheading was my Lord Jesus has brought great comfort.
When Jesus is at the end of your sentence, it's never, never, never over. I'll take you to the end of the book and I'll tell you this, that I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or their hands and they came to life and they reigned with Christ. Will Jesus be on our lips when we make that final move? I pray that you individually as a church will understand it's not about the moves of God in your life that are the most important ones. The important move is you moving into already what God is doing and what God has apportioned and planned for this church, for his mission to the world to reach people with the love of God and we get the opportunity to say, here I am, wholly available, use me. And my prayer is that you are ready to change and that you will have the confidence and that you will understand that no matter what happens, there is the Lord of continuity. We are only here for a, a certain time, but he carries on, but he will bring all things to an end one day when we are looking back at all of this and looking ahead to a glorious, glorious future. And that, my friends, is how to move into the next chapter of your life. And I pray that you as a church will understand it. I pray you as individuals will say, even this morning, God, help me in CLC. Help me in my life. Take hold of me. And I want to move with you in what you are doing I'm in, count me in, I'm with you. And I pray that right now, Lord Jesus. Pray that right now, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and take my words and just whatever's not of you, let them fall to the ground. But Lord, what was you speaking? Let it stir up, let it stay, let it remain and let it grow. And Lord, do us something that only you can do. And Lord, we commit ourselves to you right now. I just see a, a table of application forms for the mission of God and an invitation for you to fill out an application form to say, count me in. I just believe there's an invitation for you this morning. You may have seen a lot, you may have done a lot, but you're still here on planet Earth. He's not taking you yet, so that obviously there's an, opp an opportunity for you to move into the mission and the plan that God has. It, you're not here just to be filled with his presence. You're here to move into his purposes. You're here to, to lead people to Jesus. You're here 
to bring love to people. You're here to stand against injustice. You're here to lift up those who are lost and broken. You're here to help people to stand again. You're here to surround and to embrace others, stigmatized, lost, don't know what to do in their life, and you're here for them. That's, that's the, the heart of God. We're going to sign up for that. Again, we're going to say, yes, God. Will we do that corporately as a church? God, whatever you want for CLC. Just take a few moments. Why didn't you just spend some time just responding to the Lord? Just give Him. Just give Him your life. stand, maybe you want to kneel maybe you want to just to lift your hands maybe you just want to do whatever you want to do, but I want you to engage with the Spirit before we close this time, to engage with God and I want you to say to Him, God I give you me I'm moving with you God, open our eyes to see what you see. Open our ears to hear what you hear. Let us not walk past anything or anyone. Let us not miss a moment. Because we want to do life with you. We want to be part of any new thing that you are doing. We surrender our lives.
Let's stand and worship the Lord.